Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Twin Movies. I'm Ben Phelps, and I'm joined by my regular buddy and banter. Gabe Derrick. Hello, Ben. Howdy, Gabe. Or should I say, woof, woof. Oh, ho, ho. Oh, Scooby. That's horrible. So, every year, Hollywood releases two movies based on the same idea. So we ask the big question, which movie did it better? Today, we're reviewing two twin movies about a detective who teams up with an uncooperative dog to solve a crime. It's K-9 versus Turner and Hooch. Let the barking begin, Gabe. It's about time we did these two movies. I've been I've been pressuring you, Ben, to do these for quite some time now. <laughs> Champing at the bit or chomping at the bone? Uh, yes. Oh, oh. Uh, yes. All of that. So as usual, let's kick off this episode with an overview of these twin movies and a flashback to our first encounter with them. On the 28th of April, 1989, K-9 was released. Here's the synopsis from the Internet Movie Database. To stop an elusive criminal, a maverick detective enlists the aid of a police dog who's an unusually intelligent smart aleck. Gabe, what a synopsis. Now tell me, did you originally catch K-9 when it was released at the cinema? And what was that experience like? Uh, I didn't. I was probably too young uh, for this movie when it came out at the cinema. I was surprised when I watched this this morning. Um, I rented it on YouTube for $5 um, that I hadn't actually seen it. I think I thought I had seen it, but like all kind of (laughs) 80s and 90s Belushi films, you're never quite, you know, courageous to go back for a potential second time. So I had not ever re-watched it, though it turns out I hadn't even seen it. Does that make sense? No, it does perfectly because I myself hadn't seen either of these twin movies until about three days ago for this podcast. And I think I saw this film in perhaps like one-minute segments over about 15 years on commercial TV. Like <laughs> it feels like the sort of film that was played on a Friday night at 8.30 every third week. And I have no recollection as to how this film was any different to Turner and Hooch. In fact, I actually had this vague memory that both these actors, Belushi and Tom Hanks, we're in the same movie and the dog was like the third partner. A bit like, uh, I think a bit like uh, Leith Weapon 3 or 4. Where Joe Where Pesci is like, the dog. Joe Pesci, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's insulting to everyone, absolutely everyone involved. All the dogs, all the humans and Joe Pesci. That's a horrible thing to say. Um, I, guess, I guess now that you've seen them, though, you realise that they're very different films with very different tones, leading men, characters and dogs. We'll get there. Yeah, that's right. They share a common premise, but they are different executions of a similar idea. Anywho, um, it was only actually three months later, on the 28th of July, 1989, that Turner and Hooch was released. Here's the synopsis from IMDb. A detective must adopt a rambunctious dog in order to help him find a killer. All right, Gabe, walk me through when and how you first watched Turner and Hooch. I must have seen this movie a whole ton of times on VHS since I was a kid, I reckon. I reckon it's one of those movies I'd watched a lot. I don't recall the very first time. Hey, just on that IMDb synopsis, I'm really surprised they didn't put a, what's a, like a, a descripting word, a word that you'd add to detective, to like a, a neat freak detective. What's a better word than that? You know, to just a... Yeah, like, I mean, I guess a more politically correct version of OCD because... He's very particular, isn't he? And at the start of the film, actually, you know what? 
Let's give our powder dry and save that for the review, shall we? I know, totally. Just I just always like reacting to the IMDb thing. It's an adjective. An adjective is what I'm looking exactly. for. A word is called an adjective. <laughs> well, we've learned something today, Ben. A describing <laughs> word. Yeah. A descriptive yeah. God word. God damn, my scripts are going to improve now. I know there's adjectives. <laughs> uh, yeah, I myself saw this not in VHS, but again, this film tended to be every other second week that K9 wasn't on, on a Friday night. And- Growing up in Canberra, we had two channels, ABC, our national broadcaster, our public broadcaster, and then one commercial channel called, not surprisingly for the capital of Australia, Capital, and basically it would amalgamate uh, the other three commercial channels from Sydney or Melbourne. And it was always pitched as being the best combination. Wait, what? Yeah. In Canberra, they had a channel that somehow combined, for people who don't know what Australia had, like three channels, seven, nine and ten, but this channel was like the Voltron of channels? Well, that was the pitch. That's how it was promoted. Oh, wow. I think actually what it was was really whatever rights they could get, they could actually afford. So we saw like Monkey Magic and G-Force and Voltron cartoons and um, – Danger Mouse and all that sort of stuff on ABC. But but wait, wait, wait. Would they have like- But on commercial TV, we just would get like some shows but not others. So I didn't see Thunderbirds until I was like 20. Yeah, Thunderbirds? No one's- What year was this? 19- anyway, <laughs> but would they have like, you know, like back in the day there was sort of like the dueling soapies like um, Home and Away and Neighbours. Would, would this super channel have both of those? Exactly, one after the other. Wow. Who controlled this channel? Well- when you're in regional areas, and Canberra's quite small, so back then it was considered regional, you were basically just like a separate company and they, they would just license those shows. You know, you see those that footage of like regional news coverage in America and it's very different from what you'd see in York or Washington or LA. Same sort of thing. So there are some shows that we just never saw. Like we never saw Golden Girls or uh, what's that Tom Selleck film? A Life Without Golden Girls. Just a... Magnum P.I. It's not a life list. So I grew up with, say, Knight Rider. I had Knight Rider, wow. but not Magnum P.I. Oh. I had Mork and Mindy, oh. but not, not Golden Girls. Oh. I know. Wow. It's like missing parts of yourself. Oh. When you move to the big smoke as a younger man, you know, uh, aiming to make it with your big dreams, <laughs> uh, were you surprised by three channels? Oh, it was, I was like uh, Dustin Hoffman. No, not Dustin Hoffman. I was like uh, John Voigt. Midnight Cowboy, just totally, totally thrown by these these big city options. Totally, just a but no chance to catch up, of course. A male hustler. I'd have to basically live there. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just push right past that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, but when I did move to the city, there wasn't a chance to actually catch any of these shows on DVD. It was like just before DVD, so I essentially had to catch up on these shows. My grandmother's house. Um, you know, in the mornings, you know, watching them, like all these shows I'd never seen before. Like I'd never seen, uh, I'd see the Scooby-Doo cartoon every holidays because from six to nine on a Saturday morning, that was the window where you'd have like three hours straight of cartoons. Wait, hold on. Ben, wait, wait. So as an older man, you moved no, no, to the no, no, city no, no, working no, no, as a sorry. male hustler and lived at your grandma's house where you watched cartoons? The timeline of this thing is all messed up, man. Yeah, it sounds like- Oh, man. It's, it sounds like the modern version of the Joker. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, you keep changing. You, you know, the, the story changes, which is like very much- uh, Like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. You're a no. man of mystery, Ben. I can't believe we got from Turner and Hooch to this. <laughs> 
No, I actually caught up with the cartoons, not uh, the shows like Golden Girls, the cartoons and stuff when I was a kid. Gotcha. And so from six to nine, I'd wake up and have three hours of cartoons on a Saturday morning or two hours from seven to nine on a weekday in the holidays. And my grandmother would make me a cookie egg, as she referred to it. And she grew up in uh, just sort of post-World War, well, World War One, and therefore would just try and spread one egg over about four people for economic reasons. So it was basically this kind of like very pale yellow mush on toast. It tasted very good, lots of salt. And I'd just sit there and inhale that like a, like a pig in mud, watching all these shows like uh, Wacky Races with Muttley. And Scooby Doo, wow. and all the classics. Anywho, that's a little segue there. Hell, but that was my life when I wasn't watching K Nine on one Friday, followed by Turner and Hooch the other Friday. Wow, the the Great Depression sounds tough. <laughs> all right. I don't know, man. Okay, anyway, so you saw Turner. But, oh, yeah, here's the question. you got kids, right? You have Disney Plus, right? Turner and Hooch has been on Disney Plus for, for since its launch. Have you not been scrolling through Disney Plus looking for something to watch with the kids and going, oh, you've seen Never Been Kissed, you've watched that other one, Camp Fatso, whatever it's called? <laughs> Turner and Hooch, here it is. Yeah, you know what? I think Turner and Hooch is one of those films that always did well at the video store and at the cinemas as well because the poster was so iconic, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. And you just look at a guy looking down at the dog with his big goofy face and you go, oh, that looks endearing. The the extreme odd couple. But, yeah, my kids never really took to it and I think it's about whether you're a dog person and we've got a cat Ugh. and I grew up with a dog and they haven't and they're quite intimidated by dogs. So what they see and I'll, again, I'll say this for the review, is this terrifying, dangerous mammal <laughs> rather than this sort of slobbering, endearing, you know, dog called uh, named Beasley. So, yeah, we'll get to it. But your, your children are cowards. Is that what you're? <laughs> well, I didn't want to say it as much, but yeah. <laughs> well, sorry, if, if you're listening to this. Um, In the future. Friends, kids, yeah. Um, <laughs> Gabe didn't mean that. Whatsoever, you were always real tough. <laughs> Uncle Gabe always loves you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's so we've 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 set up. Let's move along. Let's quickly do our little history lesson, say, shall we? So let's find out how we got here with a shallow dive into the Hollywood history behind these two flicks. So yeah, obviously quite similar movies. Uh, the question is coincidence or was it a race to the same concept? Well, doing my little. Shallow dive, I would never call it a deep dive. It appears it was just purely coincidental. And it's funny because I always thought that Turner and Hooch was the first movie and K9 followed like one, two years later. Mm. But they're only three months apart and K9 was the first. Uh, anyway, there's not much to really say other than basically two different people had a very similar idea for a movie that just coincidentally came together at the same time. And that's it. But there's no fan club for either of these movies online, which really goes into the specifics as to how these different screenwriting teams came up with this idea. But I guess, if anything, it's kind of surprising it didn't happen earlier when you think about it, right? Because it is the extreme version of The Odd Couple. And we've seen it with uh, Shanghai Nights. We've seen it with Lethal Weapon. We've seen it with Rush Hour, different races, different ages, uh, different genders. And this is the extreme version, different species. Yeah, totally. I mean, was there no 
cop and dog movie before this. I mean, not just like buddy cop movie. Obviously, those have been around for ever. But I'm surprised there wasn't like a you know a cop dog movie before this. Yeah, or maybe a monkey and a dog, or a monkey and a, sorry, a monkey and a cop. Like it does feel like. I mean, I guess if you think about it, Lassie is a version of this, or Benji, right? Like uh, those dogs are both, in fact, they're both investigators or detectives themselves and the kids are the doofus ones. (laughs) Oh, that's true. I mean, I guess, although, you know, Lassie can't really brutalise a suspect. No, no, but in those those particular TV shows and movies with Benji and Lassie, those dogs did all all the thinking, all the heavy lifting. The kids were kind of like pretty useless, whereas this is sort of like more just flipping it around and making it for an adult audience. Um. So on that note, let's jump to our review of both these films and talk about exactly that, perhaps the tone. Uh, let's start with Canine. So, Gabe, did you like it? What didn't float your boat? And was it a good execution of the common premise it shares with Turner and Hooch? Well, it's interesting because these two twin movies are really twin movies, aren't they? Like they have basically an identical premises. 100%, yeah. Both male protagonists, um, dogs with personality. Exactly. Um, and such an extreme premise too, like a dog and a cop come together as a buddy cop team. Like it's pretty unique mm. in terms of these films coming out within three months of each other with actors that had a background in both comedy and drama. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's pretty interesting to look at them and compare them. And I think tone, like you said, is a real immediate, you know, differentiator between the two. I guess Canine goes for that sort of slightly harder cop movie thing, kind of like Kindergarten Cop or something, where it sort of presents the cop action stuff as pretty, you know, action movie formulaic in a way, but then has the goofy dog stuff, whereas Turner and Hooch plays the whole thing much more like lightly, despite there being, you know, a murder that kicks it off. It's it's It does a lot more buddy and a little bit more romance, whereas K-9, you know, I guess wants to be a police procedural <laughs> cop movie, action cop movie, kind of first and foremost with some, some gags. Um, and it doesn't quite work. What do you think? Yeah, well, to me, the tone is most evident from the start. Like, these films start off entirely differently. Mm. Like, it's interesting because K-9 actually starts off feeling something like something closer to Basic Instinct or... Beverly Hills Cop 2? Ah, uh, definitely feels like Beverly Hills Cop um, 1 or 2, don't you think? Like 100% I thought that while watching it. So what is the opening though? <laughs> like it's... It was weird. So the camera is panning through past a series of windscreens of cars that are parked at a point which you think I guess is for people to like kiss, you know, like a kissing point. <laughs> and yeah. But not just that, like a, there's a couple getting it on in a really serious way. I was watching this with my seven-year-old and eleven-year-old, <laughs> thinking, "Oh, you know, it's got a PG rating. She'll be right." And there's a couple going for it um, with like the shirt coming off, and she's got big kind of peroxide blonde sort of buffy hair, and so does he. And there's like a sort of hand, that classic sort of uh, mm. steam-filled car, and the hand sort of hits the glass and drags down. Yeah. And the music's quite quite ominous, and I was actually expecting this couple to be pretty violently murdered, like Zodiac style or something like that. <laughs> and then it pans across to James Belushi, 
who's sitting in a neighbouring car at this makeout point, playing one of those classic Nintendo handheld 83 games. Um, and I can't quite work out what he's doing. Is he? It appears he's there, you know, on a stakeout. Yeah. But it's a particularly odd place to be a stakeout, right? Well- Like it's not quite clear why he's there amongst other cars- with couples making out, including one car, I think there's a threesome going on. Yeah, it's really weird because it's also just like a vacant lot. I mean, I suppose very broadly a movie called K-9 about a cop dog should open with a scene of people dogging. Um, <laughs> well played, sir. It's odd. The golf then, clap is coming down you. the microphone to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. It's really – he must be there on some kind of a stakeout or he just goes there to like – Masturbate? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's weird. And then a helicopter turns up and blasts his car. Which is very Beverly Hills <sighs> Cop, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's such an extreme violent reaction. And so, to me, it's setting up a film which is like a US R rated film. Um, you know, and you've got sex, you've got uh, violence, no drugs, but it's sort of like leaning in pretty hard from the start. And then kind of like changes gears pretty quickly after that, right? Yeah, well, he, he goes and hassles Ed O'Neill and just gets a dog. Like, I think he goes and asks his boss if he can have a car, but he doesn't want a partner, so he decides to get a dog partner. Look, I was very unclear about how this various things happened. It moves very quickly through that. I feel like there were three I know. three scenes missing. I was actually watching this and typing notes on my computer, and it jumps to that scene, and I actually thought I'd missed a scene, I, like I was too engrossed in my computer. So I went back and realised, no, that... They, I didn't miss anything at all. He just goes to the police station where they keep all the dogs in like cages and stuff, all the German shepherds, and mentions something about needing the dog to sniff out drugs in Mexico. Yeah, they just give him a dog. But it's interesting, and I think because these films are so similar, maybe we can do a little compare and contrast as we go, that Turner and Hooch opens with Tom Hanks very goofily cleaning his house. So you get the sense straight away that as a cop, he's very fixated by cleanliness and... Um, doing things like by the book and properly, whereas Belushi's cop character in K9 is like a, a what, like a, how would you define him? An, a dumbass, asshole, good at his job guy? He's much less clearly defined. I actually think if you look at these films, stepping right back to that 10,000-foot view, it's almost like the characters are reversed in the film. Yeah, totally. Like the dog uh, in, what's the dog's are the weirdest name called... Leslie Jane or something bizarre. Um, Jerry Lee, really weird name to call the dog. Anyway. In canine. In canine. Yeah. Jerry Lee is kind of like ostensibly pretty like law-abiding and kind of like does the right thing. I mean, occasionally ignores him, but there isn't doing, I would call, shenanigans, but Jim Belushi playing the character Dooley is, and it's flipped in Turner Hooch. You know, uh, Turner, played by Tom Hanks, is like, as you say, he's a neat freak, plays by the book. I mean, if you're basically watching this film, it feels like a, a film they'd show in film school. Like, please try and characterise the main character, the protagonist, in the first five minutes with show, don't tell, as to what sort of person they are. And it must be, what, a five-minute montage of him just being fastidious in everything that he does in terms of his police work and his home life and mm. setting up that this guy doesn't need any distractions or problems, even to the point when he meets that woman and he says... Um, and we're kind of you know, blend reviews here, so bear with us, listeners. And says, um, "Oh, who needs a girlfriend? Just get, they just get in the way, break your heart, and 
you know, leave you for dead. And so he's very intellectual and not emotional. And the dog is the opposite of all of that, like yeah. James Bullish's character. Totally. Or Jim Bullish's character. Totally. I think the dynamic is much better in Turner and Hooch, though, just because having like a uh, like a big lovable lummox for a dog, like a big gross slobbering dog is, is funnier than making the human the slobbering one. Yeah, totally, yeah. Cause that just because that just means like there's a weird stuff in canine where to evade the baddies, Jim Belushi um, commits like sexual assault by being like a slobbering man and jumping on a woman. And it's like, ah, this this would work if it was a dog. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And also too, like, I mean, look at them. Like Jim Belushi looks closer to the dog in turn hooch hooch in terms of being that slobbering mess. But the casting, this sounds like a funny thing to say, but the cast and the characterization of the dog um, in K9, Jerry Lee being straight 180, like a German Shepherd isn't a particularly expressive dog. Like it's got a snout and a face that only basically has the tongue out mm. or grimacing and showing teeth. Mm. That's kind of the limit of the expressions. So when it's, you can't even smile, it just basically looks mean all the time, right? <laughs> Can't even smile. Um, they do a lot of sound effects with it, going like, you know, yeah, exactly. But, but the dog Beasley—that's its actual real name—who plays Hooch and Turner Hooch, just having that. I think he's a French Mastiff, you know, with those big sort of that slobbering flat face, you know, like a bulldog with you know the drool, the dribble and stuff. Mm. It just has more visual personality and can look. Both scary and also goofy. Yeah, there's more range. Absolutely, his face is more range. You know that that shot where they introduce him, sort of bounding down the jetty in slow mo. Straight away for me, Ben, I'm like, yep, I'm in. I'm in this movie. You've got me. I want to see how this turns out. You know, and the sort of I guess the lightness then of Tom Hanks's character, who's like, you know, uptight, and he just does the. I think he hits the comedic notes better than Jim Belushi does in his movie because Jim. Belushi is kind of playing the the asshole character. Like nobody likes him because he's kind of, and I'm not saying character should be unlikable. That's a fucking whole other conversation about writing movies. They can absolutely be, but but his style of comedy just re- relies on kind of like smarm, like being smarmy. Yeah, exactly. And then the dogs being the straight one. Um, yeah, yeah. It, look, it is tricky when you got like a smarmy guy yeah. who's trying to appeal to the good conscience of his girlfriend and he's trying to bonk her and the dog's getting in the way. Like the tone is all over the place. It's very, very odd. Like you start off with this sexy times Beverly Hills cop or basic instinct style opening. Then this massive car is shot up disproportionately, I would have thought too. Like it seems like the resources used by these criminals on just this schmuck detective seem Unnecessary. Oh, yeah. It's like them when they wipe out the room full of the Dons in Godfather 3 with a helicopter. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you do that maybe down there, but like for one one cop playing Nintendos. Pff. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, do they ever have the chopper again, the villains? Does that ever come back? No. No. It, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it feels like it was basically like, all right, we're going to spend 10% of the budget on this opening scene because Beverly Hills Cop, you know, was really good a few years before. Um, we'll get to the music in a sec, actually, because there are quite a few callbacks to other movies with the score. And and then it kind of goes to that way where it's that weird tone of buddy cop with the dog. 
Then he's doing sexy times in his like boxer shorts, you know, like strutting around but trying to like seduce his girlfriend who, you know, likes the dog so the dog kind of like stops any bonking happening. So there's some sort of, there's some sort of weird cuckolding going on there <laughs> with the dog. Yeah. Well, which is sort of kind of. He's got, he's got a lot of kinks, Jim Belushi's character, but they're all just hidden below the surface of the film. <laughs> That's right. Um, I just, yeah, I this film is odd because if you're going to do a film about a guy paired with a dog as a cross-species buddy cop movie, I don't think you hire the smarmy guy, James Belushi, to do it, Jim Belushi to do it. It just seems like a bad casting choice for that pitch. Mm. It's weird because Ed O'Neill's in this movie and I wonder what the movie would have been like if Ed O'Neill had played the 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 character of Dooley. The, the cop, you know, like... Oh, that's genius casting. He would have been fantastic because then it would have been closer to Turner and Hooch in a good way and then Ed and Neil would have been, like, really annoyed with this dog but slowly fall in love with the dog at the very end and probably taken a bullet for the dog in the final frames. Yeah, that's right. The dynamic... I guess the dynamic in Turner and Hooch is just much clearer and their arc is much better, you know, defined. Like, you know, like you... Like you I think very insightfully pointed out, the, the Turner and Hooch script feels like the type of thing that, for better or worse, really mechanically hits beats, I guess, well but predictably. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a romantic comedy, isn't it, but applied to the buddy cop. I mean, buddy cop, buddy cop movies are basically romantic comedies. Yeah, totally. In the same vein as When Harry Met Sally, Opposites Attract, uh, Sleepers in Seattle, it's the same thing. Like, In fact, Tom Hanks has been doing this the whole time. Like, <laughs> he's just traded in like... You know the French Mastiff for um, various love interests throughout his movies, but the same idea. Like they kind of annoy each other, they fall in love, everyone lives happily ever after. Um, I want to circle back to something you said before, though, about that opening scene of when of the dog Hooch like charging towards Turner when you first meet them. Um, that film that is a great example of getting everything right in introducing a character, in this case a dog, but also the right cinematography and editing because mm. the dog runs towards him and, as I mentioned before, that type of dog has a face that, depending on how its head's cocked or the tone of the scene, can be kind of endearing or terrifying. And when it was running towards the screen in slow, slow motion, A, you're taking advantage of that big face and those jowls at 120 frames per second just bouncing all over the screen and the saliva, the dribble, the drool flying out of his mouth. Like... If you're going to have a dog with a face like that, shoot it in slow motion. And my kids were actually a bit terrified by that because you can see his teeth at the same time. Mm. But that's just a smart thing about casting a dog of that species or that breed is that it allows you to play both sides. Totally. The good and the bad. And it's intimidating, but then the dog sort of like the way it's shot later on in the film and the way it reacts to him comes across as being more endearing and often, and then more defensive of him. And that's a really hard thing to do with an animal that doesn't have too much range with its expression. So massive credit to the director in trying to give more personality to that dog, but also choosing the right dog in the first place. I just don't think that, uh, yeah, Jerry Lee, again, terrible name, like almost too clever by half if you ask me, but Jerry Lee, the dog in um, Canine, just... I just think it's the wrong species. Like I get why you cast a German Shepherd because they're often sniffer dogs, they're cop dogs, but 
I don't know. I'd get, I'd get more creative in casting a different dog like, I don't know, a Labradoodle or a Border Collie or a Blue Hill or, or a little fr- you know French Bulldog or something that's got more personality. A, I don't know, a Corgi, that dog that always appeared bouncing around the place that Jack Russell. Yeah. You know, with um, Frasier. He had personality. <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone loved that dog, uh, RIP. Um, I think you're right. It's like, and this is not necessarily a good idea, and as I said, it's probably a terrible one, but if you pushed the dog further into the territory of it's the dog no one wants, it's the police dog that got rejected, or because for some reason Ed O'Neill gives this dog away, but it seems like a very competent dog. Yeah. But this is the dog he gives to the guy who doesn't want to give a dog to, which kind of doesn't make sense. You know, it's like, yeah, why doesn't he get teamed up? Like he turns up there and it's like, uh, here's your dog, and, you know, it's not even a dog at all. It's a chicken. And it's like, what? And now he's got to solve the crime with a chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but, at least it's like, but, like, this lands too close to just being like, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the dog you, you'd expect. Cool. Yeah, see, I think you'd have something like you've got the dog and let's say the dog swallowed a crucial piece of evidence and the guy said, take the dog with him <laughs> and give it laxatives and wait, like, 24 hours until the evidence gets shut out. In that 24 hours, adventures ensue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they're kind of like paired together unnecessarily and have to go on the run and all the while he's always just, you know. Shitting. Fos- fosking through the poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Oh, that's the, that's the, bit, that, that, that's the bit that people keep t- tuning into, uh, the, the shit fosker. <laughs> no, but I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, something that would just, you know, Make it sillier or increase the stakes or something. I mean, I think both of these movies play their crime element very straight and maybe it's almost a detriment to Turner and Hooch that sort of sets its, like, I don't know, like the, the, the dockyards, money smuggling and just plays it a little too straight. Whereas Canine, I guess it makes more sense with its tone that the cop elements are or that, the, no, the, the crime elements are taken more seriously, although there's still kind of those cut-out baddies, you know, played by Kevin Teague. Um, but what do you think of that? Do you think? Yeah, the, the crimes themselves aren't that interesting, are they? Like I can't describe to you what the crimes are in either movie. Like it's they're pretty unmemorable villains and unmemorable crimes. Well, I was hoping you could describe to me what the crime in K-9 was because it's one of those movies where where you watch it, halfway through or three-quarters of the way through, I think the butler from The Nanny turns up. <laughs> Um, as one of the villains. And in my head I was like, wait, is the butler from The Nanny revealed now as the main... Like I suddenly forgot that the other villain was even in it. I guess it was just the appearance of this man who played the butler in The Nanny that absolutely wiped my memory over the, <laughs> what had previously occurred. I, could, I couldn't describe to you with either movie. I just, I, I mean, much like that other odd pairing of the monkey and a kid in Dunstan checks in, I uh, checked out and I hey, nice. I, I just can't really recall the detail of either crime except that spoilers for those who haven't seen these films from 19, is it 89? Yeah, yeah, 89. Yeah, that spoilers uh, that, you know, the boss was involved in both instances and it was all a cover-up. Um, yeah, look, that makes those films, and it makes these films, you know, more similar to movies. But I don't know, I think it would be really interesting if you laid down a buddy cop movie with a really interesting twisting plot and then maybe towards production you swap out one of the characters, you know, maybe the uh, the police informant, you swap out for the dog or something and then just see how it plays out. And then, you know, perhaps when the police informant gets defensive or he's a bit sort of whiny or whatever, 
you have the dogs sort of like take over that role and then do a few shenanigans like bite people in the balls, which happens, and so on. But at least you have a crime that's more interesting and stands alone, whereas I feel like they had the pitch here, they walked into the the, uh, executive suite, met the big producer of the studio and said, here's the pitch, buddy cop, not a guy, it's a dog, done. And then the, the actual writing of the investigation, you know, just kind of like Wait, was this perfunctory exercise afterwards. I mean, all I recall are bits where he takes his convertible to the car wash and weirdly soaks the convertible and destroys it for the sake of washing the car, which makes no sense at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, both movies have pretty memorable dog-washing scenes, although you're right, in K-9 he ruins the car to wash a dog. That's incredibly stupid. Just wanted to go back to something you just said, Ben, because I just want to make sure I heard it right. Are you saying you'd write a whole cop, buddy cop movie and then at the very end change... Switcheroo! ...one of the buddies? Sort of like those stories you hear where people are like, I stumbled onto making the character a woman when I wrote him as two men and then changed her name to a woman. Hey! And she's a strong female character as a result. So, But you're, you're saying you'd write, like, you'd write the movie Seven and then at the very last minute you'd be like, but Brad Pitt's a dog. Boom. Yeah, no, no, like Midnight Run. Oh, and okay. And then you make it a monkey. <laughs> Fuck, I would watch the hell. And, you know, these days Robert De Niro would do that movie. Like you could get him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you would get him for Midnight Run as a monkey. I'd make it a live-action version of uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and he has to try and get this. He has to get Rocky as a Bullwinkle across the country. Only using payphones as the only form of communication to stay off the grid. <laughs> as they just deal with the shenanigans of Bullwinkle the entire way. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's sort of a every which way but loose Genius. vibe. Did you ever see that Clint Eastwood movie where Clint teams up with the um, orangutan? Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I always confuse that one with the one that had um, not Matt Perry, the other guy from Friends. Oh. And they're they playing baseball together. I think it's Matt Perry, isn't it? No, 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 Matt Perry. Cl- cl- Clive, no, not Clive. Uh, Matt, what's his name? Joey. Joey. Whatever yeah. his name. Matthew, yeah. not, <laughs> I keep saying Matthew Perry. I'm pretty sure it was Matt Perry. I don't know. Uh, no, yeah. Um, Matt LeBlanc. No, is it Mas- Matt LeBlanc. Yes. It's Matt LeBlanc. Anyway, there's a line in that trailer where he's like, I'm going to spank that monkey. And the rest of the movie just writes itself, I guess. <laughs> Terrible. But but to be fair, every which way but loose is a is a nice good movie. But yeah, there's a, there's been a history of man and animal team ups, and you know, uh, yeah. But an orangutan has more personality than a German. Oh, shepherd. definitely, definitely. Is it fair to say then, Ben, that you did not like much canine? Yeah, I would say. Oh, I actually enjoyed James Belushi more in canine as an actor, just doing his shtick, but didn't actually work for the film. I found. Tom Hanks to be, I don't know, pretty annoying. I mean, what? it is very hard to have a, this- an actor or a character what? playing the OCD character who's just obsessed with neatness. Um, oh. Look, let's jump to spoilers, shall we, in terms of the endings and dogs being shot, okay. shall we? Totally, totally. I guess so yeah. what do you think about the ending of both movies? Why don't you spoil them for the audience? Well, in Turner and Hooch, the dog is shot and dies, which, fuck, you know. You would never do these days. And I guess in K-9 the dog is shot and lives and then gets a dog girlfriend. So, Well, no, you think the dog is dead initially. Or he does, the character does. True. Like it's a bit of a false, what do you call it, a false die? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a false death, I don't know. 
whatever you call it. But but in but in turn, Hooch Hooch does live on spiritually though. No, no, what? Because he's got because Tom Hanks now has a puppy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's not really spiritually. The dog is still dead. True. You know, but love lives on, and he gets here with the woman, and they have this new dog, which is the heir of Hooch. Yep. But no one feels good at the end of End of Watch when Michael Pena's dead and you're like, well, I guess his love lives on with his children. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> I've actually seen End of Watch twice already. I actually forgot that Michael Pena dies. You've actually just spoiled my rewatch of End of Watch. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, look, it was a tragedy in End of Watch and it's a tragedy in Turner and Hooch. I, I actually think it was is not a great move by the the filmmakers. I think it weirdly makes the movie unnecessarily sad. And, like, if you were an eight-year-old, do you think an eight-year-old could watch Turner and Hooch? I mean, it's on Disney. Yeah, I mean, like Michael Penner or uh, Denzel Washington dying at the end of those cop movies suits that tone. But you're right, it is odd to have the dog die at that film, given that that film is actually the more lighthearted version, whereas in Canine it actually makes more sense for the dog to die. Yeah, although I guess movies were different um, back then. Like, you know, in 1991 in My Girl, yeah, they killed off Macaulay Culkin like halfway through, and he's like the cutest puppy of them all. <laughs> Man, they were ruthless. They were ruthless back then. But also that's the thing is that because you cannot have a film not have the possibility of being a sequel, you can't kill off anyone because you need to have all the characters there for the sequel. And interestingly enough, they actually made two sequels to K-9 and the dog had lived and also with Jim Belushi, and they didn't with Turner and Hooch because the dog had died, but they did attempt a spin-off TV show um, I guess just recasting everyone and imagining the dog hadn't died. But that's what I feel we're at with modern movies is that this thing has to live forever. It may not be successful, but hopefully it will be. Therefore, no one can die. Well, I think there's more to it than than that. I mean, I think, you know, killing the dog in Turner and Hooch, is, I love dogs. It's kind of sad. I would have preferred the dog to have just survived and they still made no sequel because, you know, they didn't, have to. I would have liked the dog to have actually suffered an injury, like a spinal injury, and had little wheels at the end. You would have liked the dog to have had a spinal injury. <laughs> well, no, like halfway in between, not die, not live. Like I don't, I wasn't rooting for the dog to have a spinal injury. I'm just saying, maybe there's a halfway point where he has little wheels, you know, at the back, a little harness, where he survives, but not true perfectly. But at least he's alive. And then, and then in, and look, I am absolutely stealing the thunder of the sequel title for later, but in Turner and Tooch, um, he could be solving the, the the crimes from his wheelchair, maybe like the Bone Collector. Oh, you know what would be good is actually a sort of like a cinematic universe, universe crossover with the Fast and Furious movies where he actually gets like sort of like, you know, his wheels sort of super powered and it becomes Turner and Tooch with Stanley Tucci joining in. Wow. in the f- As a third ring-in, yeah. And it could be like the Fast and... Fur- furious, but like spelt like like furious, like furries, like furious. Yeah. So you could yeah. combine men dressed up as dogs going undercover in the furry community. Yeah, fast and f- yeah. Keep your powder dry, guys. Okay. Well, I feel like we we'll just come we'll loop back to that anyway. Um. So you like canine more than Turner and Hooch? No, no, no. I <laughs> right. I I like. A more serious film. I, I like the start. I like Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> so I like the first five minutes of that movie. And after that, I was kind of bored. Turner and Hooch was, I guess, more consistent. Turner and Hooch felt more manufactured, more consistent, and less surprising. Wow. 
that's all the reasons that I feel like I liked it. I feel like I was being given a sweet meal from like a reliable fast food store. Yeah, it knows exactly what it is and it hits the nail on the head every single time with every beat. I think it's a really good example in filmmaking and screenwriting as to know what you are, play to that, be that. And at the end, even with a sad ending, it's also a happy ending because he gets together with the woman who owns the other dog and everyone lives happily ever after, kind of. So I think it does what it says it'll do on the tin, but you've got to like what's inside the tin mm. and I'm not one to eat chum or dog food. I. I see what you did there. I can't believe you said just before that you didn't really care for, like, 1989 Tom Hanks, though. Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I love Tom Hanks from a lot of movies. I love him from Castaway. Um, I think Polar Express is probably his best film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Love him in Apollo 13. So where are we? If we're in 1989, let's take our audience back to a bit of a flashback because Tom Hanks has had so many careers so I think it was around, let me think. So he comes out in the early 80s. I guess he sort of came to prominence. For most people, it would be big, wouldn't it? That would be the big one that happened, right? Yeah. I mean, splash a little bit, but, you know. Okay. And and right before big, what was he in? Dragnet. But, yeah, big, I mean, big. Well, splash was 84. Big for sure, I think, is that sort of movie that absolutely everyone our age seems to Hang on to. So so Big was 88. Yeah. The Burbs is 89. Right. Turner Hooch is 89. Classic. Then he goes, the bomb, two bombs in a row, Joe versus the Volcano and the Bonfire of the Vanities. Yeah, yeah. But what's next, man? What's next? A League of Their Own and Sleepless in Seattle. Boom. Sleepless in Seattle in 93, heading out of the park, wins an Oscar for Philadelphia in 93, then he has Forrest Gump 94. Another Oscar. Apollo 13 in 95. Ugh. And then Toy Story 95 as well. Like incredible run. He has a bit of a dip with the thing that you do in 96. Yeah. Comes back with a vengeance in 98 with Saving Private Ryan, which is huge. Uh, cashes in a few of his rom-com uh, winnings with You've Got Mail in 98. Back with... The reliable Woody voice in Toy Story 2 in 99. Green Mile, great film in 99. Castaway 2000. I mean, this is an incredible run, right? Road to Perdition 2002. Catch Me If You Can 2002. I'm, I'm skipping past, you know, things like appearing on Band of Brothers on a TV show or whatever. Um, and then does Lady Kills in 2004, probably one of the Coen Brothers' least like films, but not a bad film. Terminal in 2004. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Polar Express 2004. It starts getting a bit pear-shaped at this point. Da Vinci Code, Charlie Wilson's War, Angels and Demons, uh, Toy Story 3, Larry Crown. Yeah, look, it's fair to say the, the, the late 2000s were not the – till the mid-2010s were not all. Yeah, well, pretty much from then onwards, yeah. So, but he's gosh darn so charming in the early '90s and stuff, Ben. Oh, it's it, it's an incredible 10, 15 year run. Like it really is. And this, I think, also you know made him very lovable. Like this was where he kind of grown from playing the boyish character in Big, both playing a boy and being young himself, to kind of maturing to be you know the de- detective, but be a bit more serious and so on before kind of relaxing a bit into that whole rom com run. So. 
yeah, it's a very crucial piece in his journey to success, I think. Mm. Well, there was a reason why he won a bunch of Oscars and, you know, his movies have made billions of bucks at the box office and um, Jim Belushi, you know. Did K-9 2 and K-9 3. Yeah, and look, let's shouldn't be too mean to Jim Belushi, you know. He had a more talented brother. Yeah, but also he had a clear runway after a certain point as well. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's real mean. That's really mean. No, it's not. I don't actually mean, want to be mean to James Belushi. No, but he actually did have a more talented brother. But I know he did, but like. But his brother passed away and actually had a clean run up, runway after that. So arguably, there was no impediment to getting all the attention. No, he was in the. He was in. He was in some good stuff. Twin Peaks. You know, he's up for a nominee for a few awards later on for me in terms of um, missed opportunities. Okay, well, let's save it for that then. Uh, any other bits and pieces, Ben, as you compare and contrast these films? No, although I've been going through a bit of a crisis, Gabe. Uh, <laughs> okay. I feel I, I was struggling watching the last film. So we've done a run recently. We had the two Robin Hood movies and the one with Kevin Costner just did not stand up as I recalled it from my youth. Then we had the two Westerns and we had a special guest host, Sam, and you guys had a great time with that, thank goodness, because I just did not enjoy those movies at all. And now I've had these two. Yeah, wait, so to break this down, you you had to watch Tombstone, a fucking classic, and Robin <laughs> Hood, Prince of Thieves, a motherfucking classic, and that was tough for you. Look, man, I'm steepling my fingers just thinking, geez, <laughs> what what twin movies would, would make you happy, you know, man? I, I need to swing back to uh, sci-fi or comedy in a bit of a break. Right. Look, this is our 40th episode, and as I'm watching the final sequences in Canine, I was thinking, wow, are we one and done? Like, do we just bow out of forty-five? Like, can I can I limp to episode fifty? Because wow. I'm finding the, this run of the last three episodes pretty difficult. Now, oh, wow. having said that, what I love is the banter on the actual recording of the pod, but the movies themselves, they've been a little bit of a struggle. Whereas wow. when I was watching Oblivion for the tenth time, I was very very happy. So yeah, wow. So. A little bit of sci-fi. Well, maybe there'd be a movie that would go with that Whoopi Goldberg movie where she teams up with a dinosaur cop. You know, that's sci-fi and a cop buddy movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Just throwing it out there. What's that movie called? That's a classic, isn't it? Derek? No. It's one of those films that's been buried, I think. And and with good cause. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I can't remember what it's called, to be honest. Uh, I remember. I believe it's called Theodore Rex. Wow. Okay. I think that film's, like, infamous for, like, getting released for one day at the cinema and- making no money at all and just never being seen again, right? I think so. Well, look, Ben, you can absolutely pick the next um, twin movies. Find the the movies that truly pump your nads and we'll speak about those. If it's an odd couple pairing between a monkey uh, or an orangutan and a human, I'm halfway there. <laughs> I mean. All right, let's uh, tie a bow on the review. So which film has aged better, do you think? Turner and Hooch. Agreed. Uh, any plot holes or missed opportunities? What could the filmmakers have done better with the same high concept? I feel like just very broadly there's a better cop dog movie out there that just hasn't been made and discovered yet. Isn't there a dog on Doctor Who? Is it canine? I don't know. I don't watch Doctor Who. Okay. A robotic dog. All right. Is there? Uh, now let's do a bit of a behind-the-scenes trivia, shall we, before we get to the awards. So did you hear who the original director 
of Turner and Hooch was. No, wait. Did Roger Spottiswood replace someone? Uh, Interestingly, Henry Winkler, who was Fonzie of the Happy Days. What? Was the original director. And he actually was fired 13 days into production. What? By famous studio executive Jeffrey Katzenberg. Wow. I wonder what Fonz was doing wrong. Well, Winkler said of his firing from directing the film, he said, quote, let's just say I got along better with Hooch, the dog, than I did with Turner. Unquote. Wow. Boom. Yeah. Ah, that's, I mean, because it's very rare directors get fired into production. I mean, that the, the level of sort of shutdown, you know, to hire a new director, I mean, you don't you don't go sack the Fonz lightly. I know. That's right. So interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, he made a few films after that Henry Winkler, like directed a couple of movies, but wow. nothing that's too notable. But- I just thought it was interesting that that would have been like one of his, I think it would have been his debut or his second film as director. So There's articles online. I just very quickly Googled this, Ben, because I just can't imagine Tom Hanks and Henry Winkler feuding with anybody, but there's a feud. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Wow. Hollywood feud. Wow. Um, other, wow. Other bits of trivia. Um, Hooch was played by multiple dogs. There was Beasley, a seventh-month-old pup who played the main hooch, 17 months. That giant dog, that giant dog with the big teeth and the huge jowls was a year and a half old. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. What I also love, he had three other dogs playing the character and his stunt double was named Igor. (laughs) Oh, really? That's awesome. Got any more dog facts? I like these dog facts. Uh, He's a Dugour de Bordeaux. One of the ancient French breeds. Uh, of course he is. Uh, what sort of dog do you think uh, Jerry Lee is? A German Shepherd? Exactly. It wasn't a trick question. Mm. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to fool me with something there. but no, no, there's no fooling going on. No, okay. Um, he's actually a German Shepherd from West Germany. Um, they took them a year to try and find the right dog and 40 were considered. Um, but then uh, Rando was eventually, you know, trained and brought on. And I uh, had to learn, you know, commands in English and so on. So that's about it. <laughs> May he rest in peace wherever he is right now. <laughs> True. True. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, let's get to casting woulda, shoulda, couldas. So this is quite interesting. Uh, I couldn't find any alternative casting uh, notes for Canine, but as for Turner and Hooch, Jack Nicholson Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were all considered for the role of Turner. Very different actors, very different movie. I mean, Jack Nicholson, curmudgeonly. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, maybe it was like Jack Nicholson in full maniac mode. I mean, Bill Murray, you can, I guess you could imagine him talking to a dog. Still a different movie, but, you know, it'd be droll or laconic or something. Yeah. Jack Nicholson, you'd just be terrorising the fuck out of that dog. I know, I know. Um, Dudley Moore was also considered, but he turned down the role. Wouldn't he have been uh, too old? Yeah, I would have thought so. That's right. Yeah, 1935. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Now, spot the Aussie. Did you spot any? I spotted one behind the scenes. Uh, I spotted one behind the scenes too. You go. Was yours a director of photography perhaps? Yep. Okay. Over to you. Well, Canine was shot by Dean Semler, uh, which is, you know, the – uh, has he won an Oscar? I think so for Dances with Wolves. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He also shot Dead Calm and one of the favourite films of our sensational sound editor Sam Haywood, Young Guns. 
He shot Young Guns. Oh, nice. Shout out to Sam and Young Guns there. Uh, he also shot Sandy Wexler. I thought you'd like to. Oh, and The Ridiculous Six, another Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. But, you know, I've got to get, got to get paid. But, um, yeah, good on Dean Sandler for shooting Kano. <laughs> All right, let's jump to box office. Which movie was the box office champ? Let's start with K9. Have a guess. I feel like Turner and Hooch did more than K9, and this is one of the rare movies where the second one does better than the, the one that was released before it. So I thought the same thing. Forget this. I thought K9 would have been a bomb. K9 uh, remarkably made $78.2 million. It made $43 million at the US box office, plus $35 internationally. Whereas interestingly, Turner Hooch only made $71 million, which really surprised me. What? Yeah. Wow. Off budget of $13 million. So I was just positive that Turner and Hooch made much, much more. But in fact, it was reverse. Yeah, right. Wow. I, that, that is totally, I don't know what to think anymore, Ben. The world is uncertain. <laughs> it is. Ah, totally. But don't worry. Uh, Canon gets its comeuppance with Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Have a guess. Uh, which one do you think did better with the critics out of K9? Well, I feel like you just gave that away, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Turner Hooch did 22% versus 52% for, sorry, K9 did 22% and Turner Hooch did 52%. Have a guess what the fans think. I mean, surely the fans like Turner and Hooch more as well. I can't be way off the market money here. Uh, not by much. What? Only 51% versus 44% for K9. What? This is... Yeah. I thought Turner and Hooch was one of those movies that everybody liked. I agree. Hmm. So the question is, did the first film, K9, hinder Turner and Hooch? I mean, I guess it must have. I think it cut its lunch. What? Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. All right, let's get to the awards, Gabe. Uh, let's start with best title. Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. I like both of these titles. I think K9 sounds too science fiction-y, too sci-fi, even though mm. if someone says, oh, it's a K9, a dog, you get it. But seen isolated, looks just too clever. Whereas Turner Hooch is like, you know, it's the odd, the odd couple. Hooch sounds like a funny name. Dog's funny. Turner sounds straighty 180. He is straighty 180. So I'm going for Turner Hooch. Do they use K9? Like the K and the not. Is that like a, a term that gets used for do- like Once. When he picks up the dog, it, he says K9. In fact, here's the problem with that movie. It's taken me about four little reference checks on my browser to remember that the dog was called Jerry Lee. There's your problem. Like You think he was just called K9. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do a buddy cop movie, you've got to actually like know who the buddy and the cop is. And Turner Hooch makes it very clear. Turner left. Hooch on the right in the poster, you know who's who. Yeah, that's right. Jerry Lee. It's like he should be doing cocaine and singing country and western songs. Exactly, exactly. So do we agree best title goes to Turner and Hooch? We agree. Done. All right. Best poster. Why don't you describe to the podcast listeners what both posters look like? Okay. So we are taking the posters off the sort of default IMDb image. Yep. Turner and Hooch is a poster where Tom Hanks is staring into my soul and the dog is staring up at him. Um, just uh, <laughs> like, and the dog is covered in like saliva and grime. Like straight away you get it. Tom Hanks is wearing a suit and you're like, I, I understand this dynamic. Uh, canine, Jim Belushi is wearing a, is, is, is staring towards us. He's got like a gun 
uh, holster gun on, so you're always a cop. And then the dog is over his shoulder, putting a friendly paw over him. This one, the dynamic is much less clear. And the tagline is, meet the two toughest cops in town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a Turner and Hooch. Yeah, the 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 canine one, it's got a weird vibe. <laughs> I don't like its vibe. <laughs> I don't like its vibe. No, nor do I. Unsettling vibe. Well, also, Jim Bush is giving it, giving the audience kind of like F me eyes, like looking sort of like seductively. And it doesn't quite, again, the, the poster is a condensed version of the confusion about the tone of the movie. I'm not sure yeah. what's going on. Is he being seductive? Yeah. Is, the, is he cheating on the dog? Does he like me? Is he rejecting the dog? Is the dog saying, Here's, stay away, you're mine? Here's something. The canine poster has a, and introducing Jerry Lee as himself, right? Uh, that's that's too clever by half. Which 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 is on the, um, in the opening credits. However, on IMDb, it says a dog named Rando played Jerry Lee. So- Rando's the actual actor, as in like, that's its name. Jerry Lee's the character. Yeah, but then it's not really introducing Jerry Lee as himself, is it? Which is what the poster is telling me. Oh, you're right. You're 100% right, yeah. You know. Yeah. This is like saying- Introducing John Connor as himself, <laughs> played by Edward Fur, it just doesn't make sense. You're right. You're, li- you're right. You know what I mean? Yep. No, I do. Also, yeah. also, the poster says, "I'm just going to deep dive into this canine poster. One's just a little smarter than the other, as if like, haha, the dog is clearly going to be way smarter than Jim Belushi. But imagine if they really ran with that. Imagine if Jim Belushi's character was literally dog brain, <laughs> and the dog was like, like." Okay, we'll save this for the sequel because maybe it's a body swap movie. All right, park that. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Okay, all right. Um, uh, I think we agree that Turner Hooch gets it then. That's two in a row. Uh, let's move on to the Bill Fleck Big Break Award, named after American actors Billy Bob and Ben Affleck, who jumped from indie films into the Hollywood big time. Uh, Gabe, who got their big break in these twin movies, starting with K-9? Hmm. Was it Rando who played Jerry Lee, the dog? As Jerry Lee introducing himself, perhaps it yeah. was. Uh, who got a big break in these movies? Well, in K9, William Sadler turns up, and this must be a ve- have been a very early William Sadler performance, as he's just in one scene. But I wouldn't call the role a breakout role for him. Uh, yeah, William Sadler plays salesman Dawn, Dawn, <laughs> yeah. and he was the main baddie in Die Hard Two. Yeah. And one of the three prison guards in Shawshank Redemption. He often looks. No, no, no. He's not a. He's a. He's a. He's a prisoner in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He often. He's often cast a baddie and looks like a baddie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was this a breakthrough role for Jim Belushi? I guess not. He had done Red, Red, Red Heat before Reddit. Yeah, a year or two before this. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is anyone? I think the nominees have to be either Rando mm-hmm. or William Sadler. I'm going to say William Sadler for later for lo- another okay. award. Okay. Well, well, Rando is clearly the the front Rando. runner from K9. Okay. How about Turner Hooch? Hooch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, played by Beasley. That was the name of Hooch. Maybe. Does Does Beasley have an IMDb page? No, I haven't. I haven't actually dive deep into Beasley's backstory. Um, I'm just assuming they all died two years later. Although. Beasley was only 17 months, so conceivably Beasley would have lived to see the millennium potentially. Ben? I mean. He did not. He died in 1992, I'm afraid. What, at the age of three? No, at the age of 15. According to IMDb, Beasley the dog was born in 1978. 
Mm, I don't know if this is... Right, that makes more sense. Very confusing. Okay. Well, I mean, all movies about dogs uh, that are more than, say, 15 years old are inherently sad. It's like I think someone once pointed out that every dog in Best in Show, that um, movie by, you know, the Spinal Tap guys, they're all dead. They're all six feet under. Yeah. Anytime you're watching that with the cute dog shows with the dog, know this, all those dogs are dead. Yeah, the trick is to try and cast like a crocodile or a one of those giant, you know, South American turtles or something like that, oh, you know. I want to see a cop movie where a cop t- teams up with a sequoia tree. Those <laughs> live forever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we really, we're going get, to get to the heart of this operation, sequoia tree, just wave in the breeze if you understand me. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, let's give it to... Hooch. Okay. All right. The winner winner chicken dinner award. Who came out on top in each of these twin movies, either in front of the camera or behind, starting with Canine? I'd say probably Jim Belushi. A lot of personality, dominates the screen. I don't think it's his best performance, but he's front and centre. What is Jim Belushi's best performance, Ben, in your opinion? I'm not a Jim Belushi fan, so I don't, I'd probably say... Um, right. Oh. Is it Curly Sue? Actually, I'd have to look at his IMDb... History again. He's done like you know, hundred. He's got a hundred credits or whatever. I would probably say Red Heat. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go with gang related. The Tom Arnold role. <laughs> yeah. You? Yeah. He's he's a he's 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 a more you know if the Pokemon's go from something to something, he's definitely an evolved uh, Tom Arnold. But I, I'd go with gang related. Anyway, moving along. What's this award we're talking about again? I've got it myself. Ha! Uh, the winner winner <laughs> chicken dinner award. Uh, uh, was this a, a early Roger Spotterswood win for directing Turner and Hooch? You know, he got the job at the last minute replacing Henry Winkler. Was this something that put Spotterswood on the map? Yeah, I mean, he did great films later on. Like he did uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, the Bond film, and did uh, The Six Days and some big movies. His little run-in to Turner and Hooch was Terror Train, 1980, The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper, 81, the Renegades TV movie, Under Fire, 83, Shoot to Kill, 88, Third Degree Burn, basically nothing. It's fair to say, yeah, I mean, I haven't. Yeah, I'd say I'd say this is probably, yeah, I'd say winner, winner, winner for him. Yeah. Okay, we, could, we right. could nominate him. I mean, he became a real big loser, loser a few years later with Stop on My Mum Will Shoot, oh. but dang. Yeah, uh, that's right. Let's give him the credit where credit was due at this point in his career. Okay. Before it all goes pear-shaped. Okay. Well, is there... Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm down with that. Best dialogue award. What's your favourite quote, starting with canine? Uh, basically no dialogue was memorable from the movie canine. Although, as I said earlier, I really liked the way that they tried to imbue the dog with personality by always when the dog f- was facing away or right on an edit so as to disguise it, they would have the dog go, <laughs> to give it personality. So It's just a Scooby-Doo track basically, isn't it? Well, they do a lot more of it in canine than they do in Turner and Hooch. Although, you know, Turner and Hooch obviously... I mean, you wouldn't make a movie with a dog and not employ a little bit at least of funny dog sounds. Um, yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, any quotes then from Turner and Hooch? I mean, I like the this is not your room sequence where oh, yeah. Tom Hanks explains to the dog, you know, no barking, no growling, you're not lifting your leg on anything in this house, this is not your room. And then he goes to another room and he's like, no slobbering, no chewing, you'll wear a flea collar, this is not your room. I think that's quite... Yeah, all right. A neat, sweet sequence. Let's give that to Turner and Hooch. Okay. I mean, look. Um, nothing really stuck with you, clearly. <laughs> no, no. These... It became an instant classic. That's right. You'll repeat with your friends. Exactly. Like... <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, 
All right, the Before They Were Famous Award, or Blink and You'll Miss Them, starting with Canine. Anyone memorable there? Is this your William Sadler nomination? Does he count as being? Yeah, I reckon he does. I mean, he also, because it was before he was famous, so I could, he'd easily pick up an award here. Uh, and then I guess in Turner and Hooch, um, anyone jump out there? Not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, when did Reynold Vell Johnson, who was in Die Hard, Die Hard was around 88, wasn't it? Yeah. So so he'd already become quite famous already. He's the uh, the black cop in Die Hard who's on the ground eating donuts and helps out. Al. Uh, our hero. His name's Al. 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 Al Pal. That's right. Uh, how about you? Any nominees? No. I mean, I was, I was uh, quite surprised when William Sadler, credited I believe as Bill Sadler, turned up. So he hadn't even decided on what his screen name would be. It was early days. That's right. Playing casual. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, should we give it to Bill? Let's give it to Bill. All right, done. Uh, the Tommy Lee Jones Showstiller Award, named after the iconic performance by Tommy Lee Jones in a supporting role in The Fugitive, who stole the show despite being in a small or poorly written role, starting with K-9. Mm, Ed O'Neill, perhaps? Could we offer up Ed? Yeah, he was great. Short role, but quite good, I thought. Yeah, I like I like Ed O'Neill whenever he turns up in stuff. I think people, particularly back then, what is it, like the, the late 80s, had he done? Married with Children. Was he on TV with Matt? Yeah, see. No, it was before that. Yeah, he was. 80, 87 to 96 or something was Married with Children. Uh. But people forget that, you know, like he was in, he was in, you know, he was in David Mamet movies. Yeah, totally. He was a good actor. I think because he's kind of like a balding hairline and he's, he's kind of like slobbish kind of demeanour and stuff, he was often just sort of seen as being similar to that character or to, to, that, to those characters in real life. But yeah. he did it well. He did it really well. So, um, yeah, I think he's always reliable. Love it. So I'd say he'd definitely be a contender. Okay. How about Turner and Hooch? Uh, hmm, Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. You know, letting his sunglasses do a lot of acting for him. He's great. He's always good, always believable. I'm going to lean towards him. To Craig T? Yeah. Mm. I wonder what, the- what do you think? Or Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Actually, actually, I'm going to save an award for him later. You can give him two awards. And right now I'm going to give it to Ed O'Neill now. How's that sound? Okay. That's that. that sounds perfectly acceptable to me. Let's balance it out. Let's share it around. We can all share the glory. Okay, the Mickey Rourke Award, named in honour of the troubled actor who squandered his chance to kick on with bigger roles. Who didn't make the most of their opportunities after appearing in these films? Okay, Canine. I had the writer, Steven Seagal. Have you seen his <laughs> IMDb credits? Uh, or Steven Seagal, I should say. Not the Steven Seagal fighting action man. Uh, his credits go like this. Canine, first mm-hmm. movie, written by, and then nothing else. Uh, he does Canine as a as a, like a you know creator credit for the characters. Canine mm-hmm. uh, Eleven is in like Nine One One, which is a sequel. Wait, wait, just, wait, wait, just the hold characters. On. Just before you go, K Nine One One and K Nine Eleven would be very different movies. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Oh you're man, right. K Nine Eleven. Imagine that. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. No, There's- I did one movie called Guilty Hearts, okay. and that's it. Done and done. All right. I mean, surely he could have kicked on more with that credit, right? Surely. I mean, the film made $78 million. It's played a billion times on TV. 
I'm surprised he didn't do anything else afterwards. Yeah, totally. Well, his resume is about as populous as both dogs that appeared in both of these movies. So, <laughs> I mean, are they ultimately losers? Did their handlers not able to leverage, uh, you know, uh, Rando and Beasley onto bigger and, you know, uh, uh, movies in which they would rake in the big bucks. Well, he also had the human advantage of living longer as well. <laughs> Whereas Rando and Beasley were, you know, they were a bit handicapped by their lifespan and so couldn't really ben, take advantage. I have bad news for you. Steven Siegel actually died before both dogs. No. So when did he, that's fucking dumb. When did he pass away? No, I just made that up. Sorry, Steven oh, Siegel. Right. okay. <laughs> uh, using your, your, your early death as a punchline. That's good. Uh, so I've got Steven Seagal for K9. How about a Mickey Rourke contender nominee for Turner and Hooch? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Did you? There wasn't anyone who really jumped out here at me. No, I think Stephen has got this by a mile. I, th- I think so too. All right. Stephen, if you're still with us on this earth, despite Gabe's gags about your. Uh, your mortality. Mortality. Uh, it is waiting for you uh, when, when you feel comfortable and well enough. Uh, I mean, the writers of Turner and Hooch went on to, you know, have written things like Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, they really stacked that with a all-star writing team. Yeah, totally, yeah. Mm. It's kind of interesting that they went on to do Beverly Hills and stuff and Canon actually feels like Beverly Hills at the start. That's weird. Anywho, let's jump to the Nicolas Cage Chewing the Scenery Award. So, K9, was it the dog? <laughs> uh, well, I think Kevin Teague as the bad guy is chewing the scenery. He's a lot. He's a lot, isn't he? I mean, he's one of those guys who you just remember from heaps of stuff in the sort of early 90s. I think he's in Roadhouse and, you know, he's in one of the 48 Hours movies and he just pops up everywhere, always playing basically this, right? Yeah, totally. It's very familiar. So, yeah, I agree. Definitely nominee. Anyone in Turner and Hooch? Chewing the scenery. I mean... Look, we got to give it to some of these dogs, though, right? I mean, they literally chew the. Uh, I mean, let's give it to the dog from Turner and Hooch. He's a big old ham. Yeah, I think Beasley. I mean, that face. He's literally chewing a lot on screen. That's right. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I think he steals the show. Yeah, totally. All right, sorry, Nicholas Cage. This ward is named after you, but this guy could actually be a contender if you ever star in a dog buddy cop movie in the future. Be watch out. Beasley, or the son or daughters of Beasley, might actually have your hide. <laughs> All right. The Taking a Paycheck Award, which speaks for itself, canine, Gabe. I mean, I didn't, it didn't really seem like anyone had just been parachuted in a la Harrison Ford in Expendables 3. No, exactly. No Arnold Schwarzenegger either. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see anyone in K9. And Turner Hooch, I thought too, was pretty sparsely populated by just sort of working, jobbing actors. Yeah. So I'm going to call this one a dead rubber. Dead rubber. All right. Moving on to the Stephen Tobolowsky Award, a.k.a. Hates That Guy, named after the iconic supporting actor Stephen Tobolowsky, who played Ned Ryerson, the insurance salesman from Groundhog Day. Which actor triggered, hey, it's that guy, when he or she appeared on screen? I've got a bit of a laundry list here. Uh, K9. I had Ed O'Neill, mm-hmm. but playing Brannigan, but I've already got him down already. Kevin Ty, you mentioned, mm-hmm. playing Lyman. Mm-hmm. Some might know him as Blake Wilson in another 48 hours. 
How about you? Okay, what about Pruitt Taylor Vince in K9? Who's that? He's one of these actors. You'd absolutely recognise him. He's kind of like... He's a big guy and he's got like a lazy eye or one crossed eye. I don't know what the term for that. What do you call that? I don't know. But he turns up in heaps of movies and very recognisably because of this um, uh, quirk. Um, I guess uh, in... Did you, do you remember that movie Identity? Yeah, yeah. With John Cusack and Ray Liotta where they all turn up at a, a motel. It turns out to yep. be like a guy's consciousnessness. That's right, yep. He's the guy whose consciousnessness they're in. Ah, you only see at the very, very end. He's like in a... Yeah, well, he's in it throughout. I think Alfred Molina is taking him to like a psychiatric evaluation or something. Yep, um, yep, yep. Um, but he's he's got, you know, hundreds of credits, 100 credits on IMDb. You definitely recognise him. He is definitely one of those, hey, it's that guy. You might not know the name, but you'll definitely know the face. Yeah, okay, that's a good one. I had also Jerry Levine, who plays Ernie. You might know him from Teen Wolf and Born the Fourth of July, but I think you're one trumps it. So, yeah, I agree. He's a nominee for Canine. How about Turner and Hooch? I had uh, Marie Winningham, who recently played Matty in Wyatt Earp, a recent podcast app. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the uh, second wife or the kind of prostitute that Kevin Costner's character slept with uh, and and he never really loved her back? Um, that's her. Uh-huh. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, obviously, playing Chief Hyde from Parenthood, the District and The Coach, so basically 400 episodes of TV at least. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the guy played Al from Die Hard. What about? And then we're not Family Matters. Did you spot a Eldon Henson as just a child? Uh, who's he? Who, who's Eldon Henson? Yes. Oh, man. Wasn't he one of the bloody Bash Brothers from um, uh, Mighty Ducks? Oh, wow. This, that's a deep cut. Okay. What do you mean that's a deep It's Mighty Ducks, man. Isn't Mighty Ducks on... On Disney Plus, if it is, you should in the kids should really go watch Mighty Ducks, dude. It is a classic. <laughs> but uh, Eldon Henson, he was also in Idle Hands and The Butterfly Effect. You know, he's a sort of big lummox sort of bloke. Right. Okay. I can't recall him. Yeah. Is recognize. he better? Is he better than Mari Craig or Reginald? Are you prepared to basically put him up forward as a nominee and then to go head to head? With your nominee from K9. My 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 one and only truest of all nominees is Pruitt Taylor Vince because, you know, uh, it's not often a big fat guy with a lazy eye uh, gets the award. All right, Pruitt, come on down. The award is all yours. That was a pretty you know pretty tough category there, but I'm happy you pulled it off. Uh, let's jump to the Delroy Linda Award for great actors who aren't cast often enough. Uh, all right. I'm going to jump to Craig T. Nelson, which makes no sense because he's been cast in a lot. But I couldn't find anyone who was really someone who deserves more time. Um, maybe William Sadler, we mentioned before from K9, but I came up short here. I feel like you've got a good name in the bag. Holy shit. The guy who played Bub in Day of the Dead was in K9. What? Really? Wow. What? Wow, this is – I did not know that. Who did he – he was one of the bad guys. Wow, this changes everything, Ben. <laughs> I love Day of the Dead so much. And Bub is maybe the greatest zombie performance anyone has ever given. Oh, I need to retroactively give Sherman Howard all the awards. Really? What award are we giving now? Can I give this to him? This is the Delroy Lindo Award. Ah, then give that to him. Oh, I love Bub. So what's he been in besides <laughs> the original 
Day of the Dead. It doesn't matter what else he was in. He was in that and he played Bub the Zombie. Okay. Uh, what award are we doing? Sorry, I got really. This is literally the Delroy Lindo Award for great actors who aren't cast often enough. Okay. Well, this probably isn't for him. I would have liked to have seen Ed O'Neill in much more things. Besides Married with Children and Modern Family. Yeah, I just like it when he turns up in stuff. I agree. All right, let's give it to Ed. Okay. The Memphis Reigns Award, inspired by absurdly named characters, uh, really by Nick Cage from Gone and 60 Seconds, gave Who Steals the Cake for the most ludicrous name. I feel you want to give it to the dog named Jerry Lee. Yeah, totally. It's a terrible name. How about you? What, why is it a terrible name, Ben? What makes it? Because it's un- it's not memorable. Okay. doesn't feature in the title, doesn't suit the dog, and... It's not even a gag in the movie. It's kind of quite weird. Without giving away details that make might make you, you know, identifiable or a target for, you know, international kidnappers or whatever, what's your cat's name? Oscar. That's a, that's a pretty respectable name for a cat. Yeah. Yeah. It's distinguished but still animal-y. And you're not, you haven't given him, like, two names. Is something you don't, like, hear about Jerry Lee that it's a dog with two names, two first names? Yeah. I mean, it's like calling a penguin, you know, Greg Wilson. It just sounds a bit weird. But I don't think... I think, it's, I think it's, what the, what's wrong with the penguin named Greg Wilson? I think it's trying to be too clever. That's what I think. I think it's trying to be too clever. Mm, mm, we can agree, though. I think back in '89, they thought this, this was hilarious. But what, like, why would it be hilarious? Like, do you think they thought it was a joke? Oh, 100 percent. They thought we're giving. It's like calling, you know, a, a hamster Ian Ian Ferguson, you know, like or you know um, Stephen. <laughs> like they're trying to give a dog a really straighty one eighty name. A very conservative name. A hamster named Stephen would be very funny. <laughs> I'm there for that. I had a dog and his name was Bruce. So I'm I'm I love it when you Oh there you go. When you give a dog a real sensible, sensible human name. Uh, I'm preaching to the converted. Um, so but maybe you don't need to give them two names. I'm also really against that thing where people give their pet like a ridiculously long long name, like, oh, this is my cat. Uh, Lord Wilhelmina Fitzgibbon Longbottom the Third, but we just oh, call yeah. her Willie, and you're just like, yeah, and everyone just like laughs, yeah, just, yeah. No wonder you're sad and alone. Let's give it to Jerry Lee. Do you concur? I concur. All right, the Memento Award name for moments you completely forgot about until you rewatch these movies. Well, we both only saw K9 a couple of days ago for the first time, so we've got to rule that out. Any uh, re watching Turner Hooch? Any um scenes jump out to you that you just completely forgotten about. I forgot there was a whole romantic subplot in this movie, I guess. So did I. Yeah, I'm the same. I completely forgot there was actually that female character, which probably speaks to how badly she was characterised and how inconsequential she was until the very end. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess it was meant to be a bit like you've got male or something, you know, the idea that, you know, they come together and bring something out of each other because they've both got dogs. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, they really drop the whole criminal investigation plot for huge chunks of Turner and Hooch as well, and they just make it, you know, Tom Hanks and the dog hanging out, having good times. Um, I know, it's weird, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. They sort of just pick it up at the end and like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Let's wrap this up. Uh, we got to go go bust this guy. And the, the police chief was involved too. Hey. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. Um, I think that one steals the show then. Okay, the Die Hard Award. Uh, did like Die Hard? Did this inspire a legacy of clones? Have we had many buddy cop, dog, mammal, cat, fish movies since this? Well, if you include fish movies, 
No. <laughs> but as we said, there was Theodore Rex and various other, like, did Alien Nation come out before or after this? You know, the one where James Kahn teams up with Mandy Patinkin as their buddy cops, but he's, but he's an alien. That's a great movie. It's basically like V meets uh, another 48 hours or something. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. I don't think so. No. But, I mean, really, I mean, I think this film is more derivative of the buddy cop movies than vice versa. I think you're right. Um, okay. It's come to that time of the podcast, <laughs> the Milking the Speed Cow Dry Award, named after the infamous sequel Speed 2, which took the high stakes of a runaway bus in a crowded city and relocated it to a sluggish cruise ship. So imagine this. Let's say there's an opportunity to make a sequel to K-9 or Turner Hooch, and we know there have been already two sequels to K-9 and a spin-off idea of Turner Hooch. And, in fact, Netflix has just announced doing a Turner Hooch TV show. Have they really? In 2020, yeah. Now, they're both about a detective who teams up with an uncooperative dog to solve a crime. And we're sitting there in front of a studio executive. What's our pitch to make a sequel to? Which film to make a sequel to? And how do we make it? Go. Well, let's rule out things we've already mentioned. We don't want to do a cop teaming up with a sequoia tree. And I think K911 might just be a bit too spicy an idea, although, I don't know, maybe, maybe K911, if at the end the dog, like, bites Osama bin Laden right on the nutsack. Um, Okay, how's this? Yeah. The question is, these are buddy cop movies with a dog. Yep. Right? Yep. We've already had two spin-offs of K9. They're doing a a second attempt at a TV show of Turner and Hooch. Do you just abandon the dog? and just take Turner or the, the Jim Belushi character and team up with a different animal? Or do you keep the dog or the son of the dogs and swap out the detective? <laughs> Wait, so is there a dog teaming up with a new detective or just a new animal and you're just getting rid of humans entirely? So this time, <laughs> this time, this time the dog from K9. It's dogs and cats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, they've done that already. Have they? Yeah. I bet they have. Yeah, they well, yeah, there's a movie called Dogs and Cats and the whole joke is that they're kind of like, you know, um, they've got to collaborate even though they don't get on. So the ultimate buddy cop movie. I like that idea that you mentioned before, which is you push the idea, I guess, into kind of much dumber territory and maybe this is something like a Kevin James type movie, but, you know, he can only get the one dog that no one wants because the police forces accidentally hired a chihuahua <laughs> to be their new cop dog. Or maybe not a chihuahua, maybe it's a, you know, French bulldog. But it's like, you know, but it, it will show uh, everyone that at the end of the day that, you know, doing the right thing just takes a lot of heart or something, you know. Like, and don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, all that shit. The chihuahua might not resemble a Doberman or a Mastiff or a German Shepherd, but it's got plenty of spunk. However, however, what about the body swap idea we had? Okay, so... It's like Freaky Friday, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. So they body swap. Now, the problem with that is that <laughs> how does it work? Is it a case that half the population of the movie don't think that Kevin James has actually done this because he wasn't that bright beforehand? So he can carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so when he starts licking his asshole, they're like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's abnormal, but it's not. That's so Rob Schneider. So Rob Schneider. Oh, yeah. But it's not with outside of the realm of. Behaviour you would believe for this guy. Well, didn't Rob Schneider do a movie called um, The, the Animal? Animal? Yeah, yeah. Classic. So this could be like a a cinematic multi-universe where it's The Animal meets Turner and Hooch, where perhaps there's a crossover 
and rather have you know Kevin James, it's Rob Schneider, and he is licking his arsehole with glee, and the dog is acting kind of similar. <laughs> well, I guess if he's in the dog, yeah, I don't know if the body swap man and dog thing really works unless it's like fucked up body horror shit. And then it's the fly. Yeah, exactly. You need you need to really push that idea as far as it can go. And let's face it, no one really wants to see how far that idea can go. Okay. Um, what's another animal? I mean, obviously there's a monkey, a orangutan and so on. Um, is, is there an animal that hasn't been done? Is that what you're saying? Like, like a whale, like Aquaman style. Have you seen, I mean, this is a sort of, Digression, but have you watched that Netflix thing about the guy and his octopus? No, but I've heard all about it. I've heard great reviews. Well, I mean... Describe it to our podcast listeners. There's a guy and he really gets on well with an octopus. He's a bit depressed, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he just keeps swimming every single day with this octopus. And I I read one or two reviews that made it sound like some kinky thing. It is. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, But... I mean, what about that? What about some sort of undersea uh, crimes where, you know, it turns out the this octopus had done seen a murder and... Well, isn't basically Flipper like that? Flipper is basically like Lassie or Benji, right? Yeah, true. So that's sort of been done. Yeah, okay, so... Let's step it back. If we do the body swap thing, it's not going to make sense because, uh, you know, their brains are too different. So if we do it like a turtle, it lacks personality, <laughs> right? So, so what if we have the same dog or the son of Hooch and it's a new detective, right? Mm-hmm. And now we've got a situation where rather than the dog being the new one on the team, the dog's respected by the police force and, <laughs> yeah. the, and the new young detective on the team and the older ones say, Hooch has been around. Hooch does the job. Hooch is reliable. This is like son of Hooch 3. <laughs> yeah. And right, okay. Hooch is going to show you how it's done. <laughs> so like and Hooch so drives. Gets, yeah. Well, <laughs> He's like, I drive. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like the Hooch, like, you know, like he'll have Hooch on a lead. Hooch like pulls him. He like he has to like catch up to Hooch. You know, shenanigans like that. Or maybe it's a bit like a kind of, um, you know, in the military or in uh, a college campus where – You've got to like care for an animal for a certain duration of time as a test. Maybe like he's given like the dog mascot, right? If he stuffs up and kills the dog, he won't get the job as a you know a graduate cop to become a detective. And antics and shoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. I can see how there's a dynamic there. I mean, that's what we're after, right? Like a really clear dynamic between the man and the dog. Like like you said, a, a disparity with power. The dog has all the power and the man is an idiot who who truly is leading who. You know, there's like that saying, if an alien came to Earth, they'd be like, who's in charge? Well, clearly it's the dogs. People follow them picking up shit. Uh, exactly, exactly. I, 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 I visually get that with this pitch uh, and maybe, maybe that's a way to go. Maybe... Maybe dogs are in charge now. Maybe the head of the police station, the head detective, is a really smart woman and he likes her but she's interested in him because he's a bit younger and goofier. Who, the dog or the, but, the protagonist? Uh, the protagonist, the detective, likes the older female detective who runs the show and she owns the dog. And she says, to be on this team, you've got to prove yourself. You've got a week to look after the dog. And looking after the dog, he proves himself as being potentially a good guy to couple with for her. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay, I've got a little pitch for you. What if it's some horribly uh, pitched gender flip remake and it's called like Turner and Tooch 
colon, bitches in heat, and it's about, like, a female cop and a female dog. You see what I'm saying? Eh? Oh, so it's like that film with Sandra Bullock and Reese Witherspoon. Is that the one? No, wait, Sandra Bullock and Clarissa McCarthy. No, what's her name? Oh, there's that one too. And there's also the one with the woman from Modern Family and Reese Witherspoon where one's a bounty hunter and so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hot Pursuit, Hot Pursuit. Hot Pursuit. And it's Melissa McCarthy, I think I right. missed. Yeah, uh, I guess I'd be a little careful about calling a movie with two female protagonists, neither of which whom are a dog, bitches in heat. <laughs> uh, I think my pitch, and I'm not really standing behind it, although I think it's the best I've got today, uh, really requires at least at least one of the two female leads to be a dog and therefore not be too, derog- too der- derogatory. Is there a play on words there too? Derogatory? Der- anyway. Okay. How about this one? What if it's a, let's take your idea, but the dog is still male, but it's like I, rather than what, what women want, it's what dogs think. I, again, Ben, and she, I don't know if we can call it bitches in dog. heat without a female dog. Okay. It's a female dog. Okay. And, and the new cop who's the son of Turner, inherits the daughter of Hooch and has the capacity to read its mind. All right, I feel like it's a hat on a hat, but let's go with that. (laughs) And what are we calling this? Well, we've already called it Turner and Tooch Bitches in Heat. Like, I think that title uh, is, you know, as good as we'll get in the moment-to-moments of pitching on the fly. And that's how we make a sequel to the Tom Hanks 89 vehicle, Turner and Hooch. All right, Gabe, that brings us to the end of the show. A big thanks to our awesome sound editor, Sam Haywood, for making this episode sound so good. You can find Sam as at Showtown Sound on Insta. Gabe, where can listeners find more of your work and musings this week? As always, on that gutter website, Twitter, at Gabe Dowrick. <laughs> it may be a gutter website, but it's full of quality gags from Gabe. Not a guarantee. Uh, <laughs> and I'm at Ben Phelps on Twitter and Insta and YouTube.com slash Ben Phelps. And you can find this podcast and my other podcasts in the usual places like Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks. I hope you enjoyed our bizarre antics involving this weird buddy cop and dog combo. If you enjoy this or the previous apps, please share them with your mates. Take care and stay tuned for another Twin Movies battle very soon. We'll see you later, game. No. Goodbye, Ben. Until next time, Gabe. See you later.